Well, good morning, Community Christian Church, Lincoln Park. It is great to be with you. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, if you've never met me. Uh, as a church, we have this mission that we are here to help people find their way back to God. It's so fun to see all the different ways that we do that. One of our core commitments here as a location is that we want to be a location that loves our neighborhood, loves those who are under-resourced. It's actually out in our community, uh, and it's so fun to be able to partner with other locations, our whole family of churches across Chicagoland, in order to do that. Um, one of the things you can do to connect with us is to check in. Now is the moment every week where I invite you awkwardly to pull out your phone. Uh, if you're new here, this is a wonderful chance for you to just double-check text messages. If there's any sporting games you need to check scores on, this is the moment. Uh, but you can check in and let us know you're here. We'd love to get your email address, phone number. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to help you plug into our community. Um, I actually have a very special treat this morning. Uh, for any of you who have been a part of our community for a while, we used to have a person on our church staff uh, who was somewhat of a stand-up comedian, was somewhat of a barista, uh, had this journey that he and his wife were making back to their hometown in Yakima, Washington. And so now, um, fully bearded, I mean, tattooed up, kombucha teed, we have returning to us our very own Jesse Roberts, who I'm going to invite on up. Uh, can we give Jesse a hand just so he's back? So obviously Jesse hasn't grown the beard we all hoped he would uh, moving back to Washington. Um, but one of the things that happened with Jesse this last summer was that uh, we sent Jesse. One of the things that Jesse's been working on is what it looks like to launch uh, what a community we call a micro church. It's really just this small uh, experimental creative expression of how the church doesn't have to be in a building on a Sunday, doesn't even have to have paid pastoral staff, but can actually be in unexpected places. And so I wanted to let Jesse give us just a little bit of an update since he and his wife are here for a wedding this weekend. Jesse. Yeah, absolutely. How's it going, guys? I love that uh, I get to come in here and I see faces that I recognize, know, and love, and then I also see new faces that I have no idea who you are, and, and that's amazing. I love that. Um, yes, I'm so sorry about the beard. I actually completely lacked the ability to grow a whole beard. Um, as much of a Northwest person as I want to be, there's just some things that's not in the cards for me. Um, but we are working at, uh, I am working at a coffee shop, so that's pretty Northwest uh, of us. So yeah, Kate got a job uh, as an obstetrician gynecologist in Yakima at like kind of the one hospital that, uh, that was a possibility to work at. So God kind of lined that up um, a few years ago and she's invested in the community with women's health and that's incredible. And then I got a job like as a barista because my wife's a doctor. I was like, I'll do part-time barista work. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> and so I was doing that for now like six months yeah. and kind of the big, um, well I should say, I was doing the barista work and then also just like kind of getting back into the community, making connections, you know, um, being, being being a regular at like places and now they're recognizing me and things of that nature and that is a ton of fun but the kind of the big shift that has happened even in just the last week is that this coffee shop that I have always kind of thought about that would be the perfect place for a micro church um, it, some things happened and it was weird and it was a, a time of emotional distress for me um, but then Literally a week ago, like, um, it was kind of decided that my brother 
uh, and I are going to take over this coffee shop. So my brother's going to like own it and then I'm going to run it. And it's like the perfect place for this micro church. And so us kind of being in charge of it makes that step a little bit closer. And we're super pumped. For it. Oh my gosh. So exciting. Yeah. Let's give them a round of applause. And I just want to pull up a couple a couple of you to just come pray over uh, Jesse for just a moment. If I'm looking, some of you guys who know Jesse, you want to come forward. I'm trying to find faces. Luke, come on, Luke. Come on up. Men's group. Yeah, come on, men's group. We'll get Jenna up here. Now's the testimony. Derek, come on up. Um, just going to put hands over Jesse. There's Tim. Yeah, I was looking for Tim. He was hiding. Unsurprised, Andrew. Thanks for coming up. All right, let's just get hands on Jesse. Let me lift up a word of thanks. God, we cannot uh, believe the mysterious ways in which you work um, for our grief and loss at losing Jesse and Kate back to Yakima, just the joy of sending them, the hopes and the prayers we've been having over them, over this new work that Jesse's been dreaming about for such a long time. Jesus, we thank you uh, that in six months, a huge breakthrough has happened with this coffee shop transitioning over to Jesse and his brother. We pray with all of our hearts, just blessing and favor and movement and over every person who's going to walk through those doors and be able to be met with the love, warmth, and kindness that Jesse gives out of his love for you. Jesus, be with Jesse as we send him back to Yakima now. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys, for coming and praying. Thanks, Jesse. Um, so this is kind of a fun setup. Uh, well, first, apologies. Let me give you just a couple last announcements. I got lost in all the excitement of Jesse being here. Um, we do want to invite you this morning, if you're new, joining us, if you're confused at this point, uh, why we just brought somebody up. It's great. Uh, we'd love to meet you over here in the corner. We have what's called an after party. There's incredible snacks brought by the Dixon Small Group, which means, uh, if any of you know that group, that Deanna cooked or baked something amazing. So we're very excited to come over, eat some of the good food. We do have this invitation into small groups, uh, what you saw the group of men who came up, especially with Jesse, were all part of his small group for a long period of time. We would love to connect you in community. And finally, uh, upcoming, just want to keep putting on your radars, this uh, upcoming Saturday before Mother's Day. So this upcoming Mother's Day, the Saturday before, we're doing this incredible Spring Fest in the park. We're going to need your help to pull it off. Uh, we've done these a few times now, and it's incredible. Just love on families, create space for kids to come over in Oz Park. And it's a really fun chance to hang out with this community as well. Um, I want to talk to you about the series that we're about to do that we're calling Why Church. There is something apt this Sunday as we even pull Jesse up and you get to see a microcosm in action of what uh, investment here in this community has looked like as Jesse poured in here and then eventually as we like poured into Jesse and sent him back out and the church just was kind of like going and moving and spreading in unexpected, powerful ways. Uh, before we turn over to a message that's going to be brought by our founding pastor, Dave Ferguson, we don't always have video messages, uh, but this morning we're going to have a video message from Dave. I just wanted to reflect on this question with you. Um, if you've been paying attention to any of the cultural currents, I think it's fair to say there is a strong disillusionment with the church. Generally, there's a lot of things that the church has done wrong. There's a lot of things the church has gotten wrong. In fact, right before the service, I was talking with someone who was bringing up yet another story of like, man, the church has disappointed me yet again, <laughs> which I said, man, no, not another disappointment with the church. And yet, yet, I couldn't help but think as we were reflecting on this series, as we were preparing for it, as we were praying over it, um, I stumbled across this fascinating relic 
from five years ago. If you can transport yourself back with me to five years ago in the year 2017, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who founded Facebook, released what he called a manifesto. Do any of you remember this? Uh, take us back to 2017. And in the manifesto, just pull up what Mark, dearly beloved Mark Zuckerberg had to say. Uh, in the year 2017, Mark noted that participation in all forms of social communities and functions were down about 25% across the United States. He saw this as a global phenomenon. And the concern was that people who are hardwired for connection, people who are hardwired for intimacy, were no longer gathering regularly with a community that could help stabilize and offer them wisdom, direction, and a sense of identity. So in Mark's manifesto, he promised that Facebook would lead the charge to rebuild these communities. His engineers would pick up the burden, and I quote, discarded by parish priests. <laughs> His solution was to expansively enhance the group's function of Facebook to facilitate more community. His ultimate goal was to help one billion people join meaningful communities. If we can do this, it will not only turn around the whole decline in community membership we've seen for, for decades, it will start to strengthen our social fabric and bring the world closer together again. Doesn't that sound nice? Uh, who would disagree with Mark's ambitious manifesto? Yet, as you have all been a part of the history as it's uh, played itself out, this was five years ago, a few months after Zuckerberg's speech, it was unveiled that unfortunately Cambridge Analytica had been buying data from Facebook that had significantly influenced the 2016 election. There were growing concerns about disinformation campaigns that would become rampant during the COVID pandemic. And unfortunately, we've found that Mark Zuckerberg's vision for the group function connecting a billion people has now kind of turns strange into this metaverse thing, like he's not talking about groups on Facebook anymore, now we're in the metaverse, and the last I read this morning, not to sound triumphalistic, but sometimes Silicon Valley gets it wrong, uh, Zuckerberg has invested $36 billion in a metaverse that still only has a quarter of a million people that regularly participate in it. My point is that while we all sense this need, this deep need for connection, our culture is actually actively asking what role can step into this gap? What, what community could be offered to meet this need of not just like our personal longing for friendships, but actually our culture, our city's need for people to be connected. And so with that, I want to turn it over to our founding pastor, Dave Ferguson, uh, to reflect on, and I'll come up at the end to close this out. Hello, community. It is great to be with you. Uh, last week was another amazing week in the life of our church. I mean, so many good things happening during Holy Week and Easter. For example, did you know we had over 13,000 people who celebrated with us on Easter? I mean, so many people find their way back to God. It's like you, you can feel uh, the spiritual momentum. God is doing something special. And I'll tell you, I am grateful to be a part of it. Now to celebrate, I'll tell you what, just turn to a couple people near you and, and give them a, a fist bump. Just give them a fist bump. And if you're by yourself like me, just fist bump yourself, okay? Do that to celebrate. All right, I wanna start with a question. And here's the question. Do you know the meaning of your name? Do you? Now, David or Dave means beloved. 
uh, when we named our kids. Sue and I were very intentional about the names. Uh, we named our oldest Amy first because we liked the name, but we also liked the meaning because it also means beloved. And naming your daughter Dave would have been kind of weird. <laughs> we named our two boys, Joshua and Caleb. Uh, that was from the Old Testament. They were two men that when all the others had doubts, they still trusted God. And as parents, Sue and I believe that names are very important. And in fact, NYU professor Adam Alter believes that names actually have the power to shape our destiny. He calls it name-driven outcomes. It's the idea that our names can actually determine our future. And it seems to have some validity. Let me give you some examples. Did you know that the previous Lord Chief Justice of England, his name is Igor Judge? Not kidding. Or how about Anna Smashnova, professional tennis player? Or Lane Beachley, world champion surfer? Then there's Derek Kickett, any guesses? You might not get this one, but it'll make sense. Australian football player. There's Stephen Robottom, an Olympic rower. And finally, probably the most famous to us is Usain Bolt, who is the fastest sprinter the world has ever known. Now, are all these examples just coincidences? I don't know. Would Usain Bolt run as fast if his name was Usain Turtle? Professor Alter says, the research concludes that our names take root deep within our mental worlds and have a way of kind of drawing us like magnetically towards their meanings. Well, today I want to start right there because Jesus has given us, his community, a name. And I want to ask, what does it mean for us to live into that name, to live out that identity? We're starting a brand new series today that we're calling simply Why Church? And I believe this series has never been more important. Why? First, because this community has been around for 2,000 years, the one that you're a part of, and it's named by Jesus. He named us church. We didn't know, what does that mean? Why did he call us church? But the second reason this is such an important series is that many people today are asking, why do we need the church? Maybe even some of you are wondering, why do we need the church? Now, you can, you can make a strong historical case for the church. As we look over our shoulder the last two millennium, the church has been a major force and a global leader in establishing social services like education and healthcare, in the fight for justice in the areas of racial solidarity and economic equality, and also as an inspiration for art, culture, and philosophy. Not to mention, it's been a strong moral compass and, and this transcend, transcendent, transcendent hope. Despite all that, many people are still questioning, why do we need the church? And you know what? It's an understandable question. Because what they see today, they see today an institution riddled with hypocrisy. One that's been convicted for abuse one that's led by people who sometimes teach one thing and then live something else. And for those reasons, many people no longer respect the church or see it as relevant. And some see it as a harmful institution that just needs to go away. And as a pastor of what people refer to as a mega church, I'm telling you, I get it. I understand why people are asking, why do we need the church? 
And here's why, because I personally, I personally know church leaders who on the one hand have done great good as church leaders. They've led in the fight for justice, helped hundreds, even thousands of people find their way back to God. But have also disappointed people with their hypocrisy. And let's just call it what it is, sin. And if it's confusing at times for me, it's gotta be confusing to you. And let's face it, while many people have found a home in church, many people have also been hurt in a church, even our church. There's no perfect church. And even though our intention is that every person will find a home in the church, we also know that in every home, things can get messy and people can get hurt. Some of you may know this, but I also provide visionary leadership for New Thing. It's a church planning movement that was birthed more than 15 years ago out of community. Well, in the last year, New Thing has helped to start over 9,000, 9,000 churches in 47 countries. And I'll tell you what, I am so, so, so grateful and so, so excited about what's going on there. But sometimes by myself, I find myself just kind of cautiously asking, but what kind of churches? Are we starting churches that lead in the fight for justice and help people find their way back to God, like Jesus dreamed? Or are we starting churches that disappoint because of the hypocrisy and sin that they try to hide, like Jesus warned us about? This is something I've thought a lot about. And particularly since it's my life's work, I've been reflecting on this question that a lot of people are asking. And I want you to ask, let's all just ask this, ask this together. Why? Why do we need the church? So let's go back to the birth of this community. I'm not talking about community Christian church. I'm talking about the church. It was over 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave us our name. And today I want to challenge us to live into our name, to be what Jesus hoped we would be when he first called us church. To give some context, when Jesus gave us this name, he's about to announce his impending death to his disciples. He wants to make sure they understand who he is so that long after he's gone, they can continue the mission he started. Matthew records it this way. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Let's step back because there are a few interesting details about this conversation. First of all, it's significant where the conversation took place. The region of Caesarea Philippi was the epicenter of Syrian, Greek, and Roman temples, temples to pagan gods. So Jesus deliberately sets himself against the backdrop of the world's religions and demands to be compared to them. Jesus asked them a very hard, direct question. And it's a question not only did his disciples have to answer, but all of us at some point will have to answer. Who do you say Jesus is? The disciples had to give an answer. There was no escape. They obviously didn't want to offend Jesus, so they start kind of soft. Oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, like just in case they missed one. But then Jesus puts them on the spot. 
But who do you say I am? Not what do other people think, but who do you say I am? And it's at this moment that Jesus, that Peter, it's at this moment that Peter responds with what is known as the great confession. He looks at Jesus and says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. What Peter's saying is this, you are the true king. To you alone, we pledge our allegiance. And it was like, that was the moment when they finally got it. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. It was then that Jesus knew that the mission of helping people find their way back to God would be in good hands. Not perfect hands, but in good hands. He calls Peter, the first leader of this community, a rock. And declares that the group of disciples would become what he calls a church. That's the moment that Jesus gives us a name, church. Now, if church is our name, how do we live into the true meaning of our name? The word Jesus uses when he calls us church is a word his disciples would have known. It's the Greek word ekklesia. But hear me on this, it's not, it's not the word his disciples would have expected. To understand what I mean, let's go back to the world that Jesus first entered. 